TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. UFC 259. Wow, what an event. Let's hit that intro. So, Jesus Christ, after last week's turd in the punch ball event where every fan so, on the card Jesus Christ, was, last week's was a, turd in the punch ball event was a grand to watch, an absolute grand to watch. We had UFC uh, 259, definitely, definitely delivered. I am Mags and with me, uh, as always, my son Carlos. Carlos, how are you? I am good. How are you, my friend? And how are you? fans yeah first time we're going live already having uh some issues uh people not remembering to turn their phones <laughs> down like the idiots that we are uh but quickly let's run over these many many prelims uh started the card with uh trevin jones picking up a ko in the first round in the bantamweight division against mauro bautista uh continuing the first round ko's in the lightweight division with uros medic picking up the win over alan cruz uh, third first round KO of the night, Amanda Lemos beating uh Livia Renato Souza in the women's strawweight. Uh, submission for um Sean Brady in the third round against Jake Matthews in the welterweight division. Uh, Kennedy and, and Zichukwu continuing with great form, uh, with a second round KO over Carlos Ulberg. And uh, the last of the early prelims, Tim Elliott getting the decision against Jordan Espinosa. We had four uh, uh, recorded prelims on on, uh, on the card. Started with uh, Carcara France picking up a, a KO at the end of the first round against Rogerio Bonterin. And then uh, Askar Askarov picking up a, a really good victory against uh, Joseph Benavidez with his uh, third round decision. Another decision with Carla Phillips uh, picking up the decision against Sonia Dong. And we finished the card, well, the prelims at least, on a decision, not boarding well for the main card, with uh, Dominic Cruz uh, picking up the victory against Casey Kenny. Well, that uh, fight, though, that, the, the feature prelim against Dominic Cruz and Casey Kenny, that were, that were a slugfest from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And Dominic Cruz could be happy with himself. He hasn't had a fight since 2000, he hasn't won a fight since 2016. And, comes in tonight, absolutely puts on a performance and gets the decision when he must be happy with that. And if you want to check out my reactions, go and check out our Instagram and <laughs> find out my reactions to the to the prelims. Yeah, um, it was a great victory. And we've uh, got a message from uh, Tanner, amazing friend of the show and my uh, Radio Techers tag team partner. Uh, uh, Welcoming us and saying, uh, how are we this evening slash morning? Yeah, it is morning. It's 6.35 in the a.m. Uh, yeah, we're doing good, Tanner. Thanks uh, for your support. We always appreciate it, sir. We do indeed. Thank you, Tanner. How are you, my good man? So let's go into the first fight on this main card. Uh, Tiago Santos taking on Alexander Rakic. And I don't really want to spend a lot of time on this uh, fight, to be honest, because watching this fight made me feel that we were getting a repeat of last week. Uh, 
this should have set the benchmark for what this card uh, should have turned out to be. Uh, and two exciting fighters, two killers, two people who have been on a on tears. Obviously, Santos has been out since the the Bones fight and really kind of struggled with his uh, with his knees now being made of Weetabix and being held together, <laughs> being held together by hopes. Um, but yeah, we just didn't get that kind of uh, exciting dynamic fight that we we should have got. Um, for me, I give Rakic um, all three rounds. I felt that. Uh, Santos in the first round was incredibly nervous. I, I mean, both really were, were kind of testing the first round, uh, but I felt that um, Rakic controlled the centre of the octagon a little bit more, uh, was able to land more uh, of those leg kicks, and uh, was um, Santos really felt them. I don't think he's uh, anywhere near recovered from those and the injuries, and I don't think uh, he's got long in his career before his needs really start to pack in. Uh, going into the second round, I felt that maybe this was arguably uh, Santos's best round. Landed a couple more shots than he did in the in the first, but again, uh, Rakic did for me just enough to to kind of take the points. Uh, really, kind of a point scoring fight to be fair with uh, with uh, the the range of, of Rakic just keeping Santos a bit. Uh, and then in the third, uh, a lot of the same. Uh, Rakic started to to eat more leg kicks, which uh, which was a was a bad thing, obviously. But I think for for me, uh, it felt like he'd done enough in the first two rounds that he could maybe take a breather in that third round and 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 absorb that damage. And 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 as long as he didn't get finished, he was going to take the fight. And and that's exactly what happened. In fact, uh, I think all three judges, oh no, one judge actually gave all three rounds to Rakic, which is. Uh, totally understandable, but a uh, uh, unanimous victory for, for him there. Yeah, congratulations for the win. It was a good win for him. Um, I think he's another one who was coming off uh, a loss or a good win over a big name in that division. I do agree with Otago Santos's knees do seem to still be a problem to him. He, whether that be he hasn't recovered or he's just a bit nervous to get him re-injured again. Matt is sports psychiatrist about that, but mm -hmm. we'll we'll never know bar from if he openly comes out and tells himself. But yeah, Rakitic were able to put on a performance and control most of the octagon. Uh, but it, it was just a it were a boring fight. But you know it weren't a boring fight. My fight when I won this. <laughs> that's that's what worked boring. Wow! Fight. First time on live stream and he's already trying to flex. What a baby bat bitch. Um, got a comment here from Josh, uh, Josh Robinson, double zero. Go and give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, he's now got a uh, underscore between the Robinson and the zero because he gets himself banned for playing our um, Carlin music. Uh, but yeah, I know nothing about what's going on here, but I'll give this a like and give you an extra viewer. Well, technically two extra viewers because uh, Giddy Robinson is, uh, is probably the best thing that happens in Josh's life. Um, <laughs> Let's go to the second fight, uh, uh, lightweight fight. Uh, Islam Makachev, kind of the, the person taking over from the mantle of uh, Habib from the, those uh, Dagestani uh, wrestling warriors. And he was taking on Drew Dober, someone who uh, doesn't always get the due that they deserve. I think uh, on the feet is one of the, the, the better uh, 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 fighters in that division, maybe, uh, maybe even in the company, but... He got embarrassed today on the ground uh, 
Makacheva was was very very controlling. Uh, first round, he uh, I thought Dover did quite well. He, he used his his pace and his quickness, but once Makachev wants to take you down, you have you have no option. And uh, he's within a minute of the fight, he had the trip. He had Dober on the floor. He was uh, just controlling, switching positions. Uh, Dober really kind of needs to. If he wants to push for the top 10, he needs to up that uh, ground game very, very quickly because Makachev, what is he, was he ranked 14th? He's really kind yeah. of uh, struggled to get anybody to uh, take him on. He's, like, people are actively avoiding this guy as a, as a fighter. Gets to the end of the first round, almost gets a, <laughs> almost gets an arm bar. Uh, starting the second and Dober knew he had a, a fight on his hands and had to come out and kind of... Uh, Take the impetus in the fight to really uh, go for go for bro. Gets took down again straight away almost, and we spend another uh, four or so minutes on the floor with uh, Makachev just smothering uh, Dober, able to just control him at will. Uh, this was the kind of fight where if Makachev wanted to, he could have just pulled Dober's pants down and spanked his ass. He just he just had him every which way he wanted. Um, <laughs> Again, we are going to the third round within 30 seconds. Guess what happened? We got an inside trip and <laughs> Dorper's on the floor. But this time uh, he gets trapped in a, an arm triangle and uh, very quickly knows the game is up. I mean, the guy was on, on uh, it, it was on for a unanimous loss anyway, so there was no point kind of taking that extra damage. You knew, know when you beat, learn a lesson from it. And uh, Makachev, Pressing for a top five. I mean, he desperately should be getting a top five fighter now, Carlos. I definitely do think you're right about that. Uh, he's after the performance he put on Drew Dober, going into that first round when he had that arm bar. Fair, you've got to look at the arm bar, and especially when your opponent's uh, elbow is in like the crotch area, in a way, mm-hmm. you sometimes I got it. Unless you've got that pressure and that torque to actually do damage and snap their arm, it, it takes a lot of pressure to to pull that off and do it. With, so only a couple of times people uh, remember it with Frank Mir and uh, Tim Sylvia, but other than that, it's not really a common thing you see every day with someone doing that. So when when the elbow is in that uh, that that place, it's generally a it's generally a loss. You might as well let it go because mm-hmm. you know you're not going to get it off. But Jimmy could have returned, could have reversed it into a bit of a leg lock, but he didn't. He didn't decide to to fully commit to it. Ended up standing it back on the feet. And but coming from the the background he's from, obviously from an Eagles fighter, one of Khabib's father's uh, first students, mm-hmm. now transitioning over to AKA, still with Khabib, is, I'm guessing, I'm going to say he's head coach now, with him well, being was in, semi-retired. He was in the corner as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was giving more instruction. Um, he was giving more instruction than like a supportive fighter in a way. He, he was acting as the, the head coach in a way, and even mm-hmm. though he had a head coach, um, which is not a bad thing. We could be looking at the next big Dagestani um, champion, uh, which, again, is a hard possibility for uh, Makachev. He's he's getting up there, and he's getting up there fast, especially after the victory and the performance he put on. How can you deny him? If I say top five, I feel like we just... Every time we say that the UFC push a fighter too much, fair enough, he's got seven fights uh, in a row. But when you look at it like that, he's still learning in a way. I think Max Holloway got, what, 
11 fights in a row, 9 fights in a row before you got your title shot. Let him get experience first. So I'm not saying don't give him someone in the top 10. Definitely, I think he does deserve it after, after the performance. But like I said, if I say top 5, I feel like we're going to be pushing him quicker than what he should be. Even though it's a possibility that he could get to that position faster than most fighters, you just it's always better to learn rather than jump ahead. It's better to walk before you can run. Yeah, I mean, I, I would not be unhappy with maybe like Paul Felder against Makachev or Dan Hooker against Makachev. I, I wouldn't mind any of them fights. I think that's a brilliant pick for him. He's uh, in that division... He did call out Tony Ferguson, and if anything, that fight does make does make the sense for him. Obviously, mm-hmm. the, the fight's not there with him and Khabib anymore, but it's already a selling point for the UFC and for him. He's, he's playing it smart and he's playing it clever by calling Tony Ferguson out. Yeah. They know that they've, that they've already got history between Tony Ferguson and Khabib, and like I say, the, the, there's already a bit of a selling point there. Might not be Khabib, but could be the, the next generation if they want to sell it as that sort of selling point. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get on to uh, the first of three title matches. Uh, Petter Jan and Aljamain Sterling for the um, for the bantamweight title, and all three ma- all three fights. Uh, I mean, I picked all three winners, but they all were so different. And this one, I think, is probably the most controversial. Would you say? Um, yeah, um, uh, Aljamain Sterling is as left the building as champion but he certainly does not feel like a champion uh to a lot of fans uh he certainly does not feel like a champion to himself uh but rules is rules and by rights he's uh he's won the title uh so in the in the first round it was very kind of this was probably for me the the most razor thin round uh a very brave game by sterling to to stand and bang with someone with the power of Petter Jan. He started off really uh, pressuring Jan very, very early, keeping Jan on, on his back foot. But when Jan opened up and just landed one shot, you could see that that it, it was always going to be trouble for, for Aljamain Sterling. Now, what surprised me was uh, he, Aljamain didn't go to his his, uh, his best game plan, which is getting Jan on the, off his feet and onto the floor uh, where uh, Sterling would have way more of an advantage. He, he was more than willing to try and stand and bang with uh, with Jan, which I thought was a ridiculous kind of thing to do, knowing that Jan is arguably the best boxer in the in the sport. He's just so brutal. Um, there was a point in the first round where Sterling threw a kick and that gets caught, and uh, Jan is the one who ends up trying to take it to the ground, but... When it came to actually um, grappling on the floor, Jan was not interested at all. He, he, he gave Sterling multiple times to to get up uh, all the way through uh, the the four rounds that we got. Uh, for me, I just felt that Sterling's game plan was was not on point at all. Uh, he for every time he had some sort of offense. Jan only needed to land one punch and, and it, it scared Sterling uh, to death. Um, but we get to the fourth round, and for me, I was thinking this is Jan needs a fit, uh, Aljamain needs a finish because mm. Jan is three up for me. Um, 
is is absolutely just getting demolished. I mean, you could argue that maybe uh, the first round was was razor thin, but certainly for me, the second and third round, Jan was opening up when he had the opportunities on Sterling, and then the fourth round, um, it felt like that Jan was going for the going for the finish, going for the kill. Um, gets um, gets um, Sterling onto one knee, and then whilst the referee said. Do not throw the knee. He's a downed, uh, his downed opponent. Um, Jan lands the knee, and it, it almost looks like for wrestling fans out there, a uh, Kamagaya or a, or a B trigger. And you just see uh, Aldermen's neck just snap back, um, just laid absolutely out. He was away with the fairies. He just could not. Um, he could not basically get to his feet. He could not. Um, it, it couldn't stand up. It couldn't. Um, it just didn't make sense. It, it felt like he wanted to carry on fighting, but uh, if he if he was allowed to fight, Yang would only need to land one punch. And, and you're talking hospital hospital treatment. Uh, the ref and the doctors were struggled to uh, to come to some sort of decision. I felt that they took way too long to to make that decision. But um, when when uh, Mark Smith confirmed to the doctor that it was an illegal knee uh, and it was intentional. Uh, we had no, deci- uh, no other decision than to uh, disqualify Petr Jan and uh, award the title to Aljamain Sterling. It's upset a lot of people on Twitter. Uh, it's upset uh, a lot of MMA fans. Um, it's, it's upset Petr Jan and Aljamain Sterling because both guys didn't really want the fight to end like this, but hashtag and new. Definitely, and it's definitely over one minute on YouTube, so I'm allowed to swear, and I've been gagging. Aljamain Sterling looked pissed. I don't know what he was doing. He, his takedowns, in a way, he's... Fair enough, I, I could always look at the stars a bit sloppy, but if you're going in there against against Petty and he's boxing, he's unreal, and he, he just looked pissed. And not to take anything away from him, he, he, he tried his best. He pushed the pace in that first, second, and third round, and he just gassed himself out. He, he had nothing left, and... To be honest with you, the best thing could happen is this disqualification because he was losing that fight. And I don't think after that third round, he could have even pulled it back because mm-hmm. he couldn't take Petty Ann down. He, he couldn't hit him cleanly to where he was hurting him. And even when he was hitting him, he was hitting him with like four or five shots. Jan was just covering up, blocking and mm-hmm. countering and firing offence whenever he could. And the, for me, the most frustrating thing is when, uh, when he was landing those combinations, and then uh, Petter was was coming back at him. Uh, Sterling was spinning and was giving his back up all the time and allowing Petter to just like control uh, Aljamain. I've never seen uh, Aljamain fight like that in in the last five years. Mm. Well, that's it. But the way he was spinning like that, I could, in a way, a little bit see it as see it as like trying to entice him in. Like, yeah, he was get, having the risk of taking them like hooks coming like from from the back but then in a way if Jan tried to like grab him I'm guessing uh, Sterling just try and roll roll for the knee which you know obviously he wants to take it to the ground he, he, he wanted to entice him on the ground from from the start and Petty like you say he just had he just didn't want none of it and <laughs> to be fair to him why wouldn't you the guy from uh, uh, Renz and Gracie uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu school not only that he's a black belt under Matt Serra so you're not gonna, you're not gonna fuck with him on the ground. It's as simple as that. And Petty, he, he, he knew this as much as he, 
is the champion and he's well-rounded. Sterling is the better fighter when it comes to the ground game. He needed to keep that on the feet and keep that on the feet. He did. He absolutely put a beating on Aljamain. And like I said, the best thing that could have happened was this dis uh, disqualification. And to be honest with you, I don't think a lot of people are going to say it because it's going to be like, oh, yeah, Tim and stuff like that. Fair enough. I'll give it probably Petty Yan. He doesn't speak English, does the guy. So he don't, I'm guessing he don't really understand it that much. Or, uh, even if the referee is saying it's a downed opponent, don't throw the knee. You don't speak or understand English. You're not going to fucking understand the referee, especially when you're fighting and you're in a championship fight of all that, all that adrenaline. I mean, I understand that, but it's not like it's his first time at the dance. This is a guy who's fought, what, 17 fights, MMA tall, eight fight in the UFC. He knows the rules. He saw that um, Al Jermaine's knee. I mean, it's not like it was just uh, up against the cage and, and fighters dropping their hands on purpose to... To, to know Jan was um Alderman was on one knee like he was proposing to to um to Petter and then he just lands that that brutal knee clean to the face though and yeah I I, I like Petter Jan I think he's uh, been a breath of fresh air in that division but Jesus Christ you can't do that you yeah can't you can't that. you can't do that I weren't I weren't I weren't denying that for a second like uh, when I obviously when he's through the knee that the referee's told him no, he's, he's probably not been able to understand mm -hmm. it. But like you say, it was blatant that how the knee was placed and how he was sort of looking over uh, Aljamain, you he would have been able to see the the knee being down. And not only that, he was it was pushing Aljamain down. And a lot of fighters when you're doing like push and pull resistance training and all that sort of stuff, you'd you'd sort of know if you feel how much. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be that. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Strong is it, but when a knee's on the ground, you're trying to push down and pushing into the canvas, you'd, you'd, you'd feel that. So, yeah. I don't know what the fuck you were thinking. I don't know why he's, he's tried to throw that, but he's made a stupid mistake. One of the stupidest mistakes I've ever saw in a championship fight, and it's cost him the belt. He's definitely the, going to run it back. It's the first time that it's ever happened that uh, a UFC title has, uh, has changed hands on disqualification. That's it. They're definitely going to run it back. They have to run it back. From what's happened, Petty Amber, he was beating, beating Aldemir Sterling from start to finish mm -hmm. until up until he did the... The stupid knee, which I don't understand what he was thinking. He he was winning the fight. He only had to either play it smart or get a finish. And to be honest with you, he didn't play it smart and he got a finish. So he don't know what, don't know what the fuck you were thinking. But yeah, Sterling's the new champ. But you've got to look at it like this. Sterling, he were, I give it off. Oh, fucking hell. 
replaying on that a bit because yeah. if I were if I were if I was in his position, I'm not taking anything away from it. If I was in his position, I would get my arse up for three rounds straight, and I need to finish, and I was gassed as him. I do the fuck you say. I did Ric Flair. I'd be like fucking this old fuck. I'd, I'd I'd play it to the extent, but. Not your decision, the referee and the doctor stopped it, but we have got a new champion and well in, but they do have to run it back. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just go through a couple of these comments from uh, Tanner. Um, he says it's a, it was a competitive fight until the end. Uh, I um, respectfully disagree. I thought uh, Petter Jan was clearly winning the fight. Um, and but I do agree with his uh, with his next comment about uh, the knee was brutal and it's what uh, wrestling fans wish the, the Kenny Omega's V trigger was. Yeah, totally agree. Um, let's talk about this uh, core main event: the return of the Lion, Amanda Nunes taking on Megan Anderson. Um, I don't know if you saw Carlos the uh, when uh, Megan arrived at the arena. Uh, she looked like death warmed up. She looked ill. She looked pale. She looked like she was going to her own funeral. Um, oh, she's always looked pale to me. <laughs> but, I mean, for someone who should have been arguably Amanda Nunes' biggest challenge in this division, a natural uh, featherweight, six foot, uh, really well toned, really muscled, got lots of power. Amanda Nunes made her look ordinary. Uh, now is that's because that's not uh, a spat on on Megan Anderson. She is still an elite level fighter. It's just that Amanda Nunes is head and shoulders above absolutely everyone, potentially even the men. I think she's in the argument for for pound for pound uh, best fighter in the world today. This is a woman who hasn't fought in a year. Who refused to uh, fight because of COVID and because she's uh, they've just had a, a little baby here and, and Nina, uh, who is an absolute cute little bundle of joy. But she took two minutes to destroy Megan Anderson. Uh, from the first shot she landed that big over and right, she absolutely stunned Anderson, was able to pick off the shots, uh, followed him up with leg kicks. Um, Anderson being the bigger opponent, uh, did the sensible thing and went to shoot. Uh, and Nunes just powered her off and just threw her onto the floor. Um, went for the strikes, got the back. Uh, Anderson tried to protect, protect the net, but Nunes is just she's there's nowhere in that octagon where she is not dominant. Uh, on the feet, she's solid. On the ground, she's scary. She was able to just transition from uh, going for the neck into the arm. Uh, Went for an inverted triangle, decided, no, I want the arm, got the arm, tucked it in the armpit, and Megan Anson had to tap. Uh, a year away, two minutes later, and still. Yeah, that was, this is my biggest upset of the night. Megan, I'm fucking backing you today. <laughs> I wanted you to win. It's not that like I don't like Amanda, it's just that I, I just... I don't like the idea of this double champ status bullshit. I just, if you're a champion, stick to your stick to your weight, defend your belt. If you want to go up, that's fine. If you're the champion, vacate one of the belts. Don't hold it up for the rest of the division. It just gets boring. When you're a proper fan who not only likes to watch the the sport but but UFC in general, you want to watch the divisions move on. There's new talent, and especially when. Even myself doing the interviews and interviewing new fighters, you've when you've got one champion, 
you, you've only got that one name. It's that boxing. You, you've only got these general big names, but yet you've got thousands of boxers out there you, you don't know. It's the same in mixed martial arts, but they need help to get up there. And when you when you try and turn it into a sport like boxing, it's, the money's not even there yet. So what's the point in trying to turn it into a sport like boxing? The, the champions don't even get as much as what boxing boxing fighters get, let alone boxing champions. So fuck turn it into that. Stick to your weight divisions, defend your belt. And that's... But in a way, you, she's the goal. Who's, who's going to challenge her? Who's <laughs> actually going to be able to... In the 145 and the 135, who's going to be able to... Be able to prove her wrong. There's going to be able to try and take them belts off her because I don't think anybody can take them belts off her unless they they put Cyborg and Ronda Rousey against her at the same time. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I mean, looking up up the the, the rankings for featherweight, and it's not a division, it, especially in the UFC. Um, they have well Felicia Spencer, uh, who was already. Um, uh, basically destroyed by uh, Amanda Nunes, then Megan Anson, who, who just couldn't get out of the first round. Um, outside of that, there's there's nobody. There's nobody in the UFC uh, that, that is anywhere close to uh, getting a touch. I mean, Bellator have more people ranked in the division, but even those... <laughs> the majority of Amanda Nunes is absolutely destroyed in the first place. I mean, this is a woman who's destroyed UFC fighters, Strike Force fighters, Invicta fighters, uh, WWE fighters, NXT fighters. She's she's beat everybody. Um, this division only survives in the UFC because of Amanda Nunes. Uh, and to be fair, if I was her and I was a double champion and the only uh, fighter in UFC to be able to defend both belts multiple times, I'd want to stick around and be the champion. She's creating a massive legacy that, that nobody's ever going to be. Not only that, she's getting the money, but I do agree with Thomas' comment. Bring on Valentina. Yeah, absolutely. But Valentina's not going to go up weight. So that would mean uh, Amanda Nunes. Dropping weight to, to become a triple champion. Yeah, that would never happen. I don't think the reason she went up is because she tried she, she cut weight already in a way to one thirty five, mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't think she'd be able to cut down to Valentina's weight. But no, yeah, I believe not. Uh, I mean, the only kind of fat on the horizon that I can see that has got any kind of potential is if they bring in Kayla Harrison from PFL. Uh, she's I think she's currently that eight eight and all, but. Do you, I think she likes them competitions and them tournaments that PFL. The PFL, mm-hmm. when they get a million pounds for winning them tournaments, a million dollars for winning them tournaments at the end of it, I mean, she will know that two or three, two of them, something like that. So, yeah, I don't think she wants to come away from that promotion anytime soon, especially when, you know, you know baseball cool. <laughs> I mean, it's the only, for me, though, it's the only fact that actually makes sense because the, the other two in the top five are, uh, Cyborg and Julia Budd both on long-term uh, Bellator contracts and then you've got Felicia Spencer who, who Amanda Nunes is absolutely schooled um, so we'll, we'll see what's coming but as of right now Amanda Nunes may be the, the best fighter in the world she definitely, today she definitely she's definitely the best woman's fighter if you don't agree with me you're wrong then uh, Tanner's comments are about uh, bring on Valentina and, and have the fight at 135 pounds. I, I I would love to see that fight. I just do not think that uh, Valentina dares come up to 135 because 
I think she'd, she'd get destroyed by uh, Nunes at that weight again. Yeah. But let's go on to the main event. Um, another one that I predicted, and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fans were was basically praising and, and and bowing to the feet of Israel Adesanya. Uh, but yeah, he just couldn't get the job done against uh, Jan Blakovic and. Do you know, props to his, um, it takes a, a very, very brave man to step up 20 pounds to face someone who hits like uh, Jan Blakovic, um, and especially to weigh in at five pounds under the limit, knowing that Jan is probably going to weigh on five now, possibly 230. So he's got such a big kind of gap. What's he mean? It's instead. Well, they, they, they do, don't they? They put on, what, 15, 20 pounds of, of, uh, of, of weight like, on, on the, from uh, weighings to fat now. Um, so, yeah, I would have easily expected him to, to weigh that much. Um, but is he wanted the legacy fat and absolutely got the legacy fat and it, it kind of did backfire on him. Uh, for me, I felt that he probably took the first couple of rounds. Uh, Jan looked very, very nervous um, and Izzy looked all business. Normally you get the Izzy that's kind of like dancing and messing around in, in, the, uh, in the octagon, but he was there to, to prove a point. Uh, and for the first two rounds, he was certainly proving it for me. He was uh, he was uh, the quicker fighter, uh, landing shots. I don't think his shots had quite the kind of a, the sting of, a, of Jan Blackwich's uh, shots, but he certainly was able to land a lot more. Uh, Jan just didn't look look comfortable in in getting inside uh, Adesanya's range when he did try and, and, and grapple against the cage. It was it was interesting to see. Uh, Israel kind of out-muscled Jan a couple of times, um, being able to kind of like force his way off the cage uh, with spins and, and landing shots on the way out. Uh, Jan on in the near the end of the second round went for a flying knee, which uh, both of the fighters ended up having a good giggle about because it, it, yeah, it didn't work. That's not very, very close. Yeah, that's not Jan's wheelhouse, and you, and you could tell. Um, where Jan started to really like pick up for me was uh, was landing more leg kicks. It was uh, if you when we get to the third to fourth to fifth round, you could see that uh, Izzy was more planted with the legs because Jan had, had, had stung them legs and he was able to to uh, land a few more shots in that third round, which I think is the pivotal round for me because that was the one that he eked out, the, the one that was the most razor thin, uh, the, uh, especially on the judges' scorecards for him to, to, to win. And then you would go to the fourth and the fifth and he played a perfect game plan. He took some some punishment but was able to get the, the takedowns, which uh, were massive, massive point scorers for him, uh, controlling Izzy on the ground for... Over half the round in in the fourth and again in the third, I think it, I think it was dead on uh, two and a half minutes in the in the third when uh, in the fifth when he got the takedown, and that's that's what swayed the judges the 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 power that able to to keep uh, Izzy on the floor and and land uh, land shots not so much hurting shots but point scoring shots quite again uh, and he was able to to get the victory. Very nervy uh, first defence for your for your title. A, a little bit concerning that someone has come up from uh, a weight twenty pounds down. But 
the truth is uh, Jan comes away with the victory. Uh, Israel, um, yeah, that the, the bones fast not on the cards now, is it? Uh, not that it ever really was, uh, but yeah, Israel goes back down to, to middleweight, uh, solidifies himself as, as the best in that division, and Jan moves on to to bigger and better and, and hopefully better performances than this. Yeah, well, that's it. I don't think he put on a bad performance in Jan. He definitely deserved taking the belt away. It was a very close, close first, second and third round and then you've got the third, uh, the fourth and fifth, which he had the he did the perfect thing. He were able to take Israel Adesanya down and keep him down, which not a lot of people have. And I was speaking to a lot of different fighters, uh, and a lot of them said the same thing: Can can he take Israel Adesanya down? And personally, I did believe that he could take him down and actually keep him down there. It, and it weren't just generally the power he did there; it was also the technique. He were able to use Izzy's sort of defensive leaning backwards to able to take him down. So we're always making him throwing that one, making him lean back and then level change and shooting in. But then obviously like you say, when Izzy were up against the cage, I'll do give it I will give it to him. He's wrestling takedown defence is is up there. Even mm-hmm. though he's his <laughs> jiu-jitsu's dog shit. He's but yeah, even though that's because they were in some positions where I don't know I don't know how he didn't know what to do, or because he, he, he was lying in in in, in half guard. Now I can understand it's a it's a hard position when when you're in, especially when someone's heavier than you to get out of. You've got to use technique in that position. He was trying to use brute force and roll into him, and it's like the guy already weighs like 15, 20 pounds more than you. That's not gonna fucking it's not gonna happen. You're in fourth round, you you fuck yourself, that's, that's not going to happen. You, you're not going to be able to overpower him. You've got to use technique in that position. And he clearly didn't have the technique again, so it's jiu dog shit. But in respect to him, he went up there, challenged Jan. I'm, I'm glad he, he sort of lost because, again, I don't like the fact that the double champ stuff, I, I'm getting bored of it. <laughs> Jan put on a performance. I thought to myself, Coming into the fight, the only way Izzy could win is the way he were doing it. Try and get the pace to start out fast and make Jan a bit tired. Now it worked because in that fifth round he was tired. But I don't. But I, I believe he were only tired because of how much grappling he did in that fourth round. And I don't. Fair enough, he was tired, and, and Israel did make him tired. But the, his fatigueness came out more when he started grappling himself and grappling Israel. And I think that's what made him more tired in the fifth round. And I think a lot of people will look at it like that, Israel made him tired in the later rounds. But if they were to look at it in detail, I think Jan made himself tired in that fourth round going into the fifth. But he were able Just to do the... Turning up the gas kind of thing, like making sure he, he scored points on the judges' card. Well, that's it, him turning up the tempo. Because, again, like I said, Israel had a tanger, he's... He's a point fighter, he's a kickboxer, he's a stand-up fighter. He, a he's counter-puncher. Got, he's a counter-puncher, but he's got power. A lot of people say that he hasn't got power. You don't generally need, always need power. He's, he's, a, he's one of the world-class strikers, the best striker in the UFC for me. And if you've got good technique, technique and precision can knock people out alone. You don't, you don't always need power. He rocked Jan. He, he hurt Jan mm-hmm. a couple of times in that fight. Jan hurt him also. But Jan were able to to pull off them them takedowns in the fourth and fifth, and 
do exactly the same what Dominic Cruz did in the, in the fight when he, he, he knew it were a close fight in that last round he took him down and he controlled the fight and that's what got him that fight and in this in this case it's the exact same Jam were able to take him down in the fourth and fifth able to use that position and win the fight and congratulations to him Israel Adesanya goes back down to be honest with you I think he goes back down and he farts Darren Till and tries to get a bit of confidence back after that loss the reason I think Till is because the, he's already mentioned his name. Now, you, you don't mention someone's name who's not supposedly up there for a title shot if you don't know truly that you, you're going to fight him anyways. I do believe he's going to end up fighting him. And Jan's going to fight either other, other one in like way. Rakic. No. That other guy. Oh, oh, that oh, one? Yeah, definitely should be. <laughs> definitely, definitely should yeah, be. Lost, lost for a second. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I think uh, Adesanya's uh, future is definitely in the lightweight division. I think he needs to take a little bit of time to to put on some body mass to to meet that uh, that limit uh, to be cutting to get to two or five rather than to be like I said eating pizza and showing up to the weigh-ins holding a, a, a twelve inch. Whilst uh, while still weighing less than two hundred pounds, um, but I think he's, he's near enough cleared out the the middleweight division. Um, he's, he's left a legacy that that few can live up to, and I think going up to lightweight and, and perhaps dominating that. I mean, he's gone up against the champion of that division mm. and looked like he belongs. It's as simple yeah, as that. Yeah, he, he was going toe to toe with Jan. That's what that's what really good things. A lot of people were saying if he goes toe to toe, he's going to get knocked out. Jan hit him with a couple of good shots, and he didn't get knocked out, and that that surprised me because I thought at least Jan would have hurt him more times than he did, and he didn't. And Jan was actually reacting to every single thing that Israel Adesanya was throwing. Every single thing was getting a reaction out of Jan, and that's the good thing about Israel is he's technical, and the way he strikes and the way he moves. Is sort of off-putting to fighting because you you're confused. You it's one of them fights where you, you're looking at him rather than fighting him. Yeah, and that's the mistake a lot of the fighters make. They they look at him and they give him room to fight. Jan started having more success when he put him up against the cage and he put him on his back. You cannot leave Adesanya room to work. Mm-hmm. You give him room to work, he's going to win the fight nine times out of ten. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so after that, we get a little bit of a calm down uh, with uh, UFC fight night. Leon Edwards taking on uh, last-minute replacement uh, Bilal Mohamed. Um, yeah, there's a, a few interesting fights on this card. Uh, Angela Hill finally gets to break the strawweight division fights uh, record with the match from against Ashley Yoda, which has been put off time and again. Uh, Dan Hager faces Gavin Tucker. Uh, ben Rothwell is back, uh, taking on Philip Linz. Uh, Coleman event of Misha Serkinov uh, taking on Ryan Spam. So that'll be a, an interesting kind of like uh, palate cleanser card before we get into uh, the run up to UFC 260, which is going to be an absolute banger with uh, that heavyweight title match and then the, the featherweight uh, Coleman event of Volkanovski taking on Ortega. So uh, yeah, definitely uh, watch and listen along for that. But Firstly, uh, we appreciate everybody who came into uh, the chat uh, to our debut uh, live stream. I'll be doing this uh, all the time now, going on with five rounds. Uh, 
we really appreciate the support from Anthony, uh, our our head honcho at Smart to Death and, and uh, uh, shooting the sports issue, who really kind of walked me through doing uh, doing this setup. I really do appreciate that. Uh, so definitely go and uh, follow on all social medias, uh, shooting the sports ish. Uh, go and follow on uh, Visionaries Global Media and also on um, uh, the Chair Shot. Uh, I am Mags. Follow me on Twitter at DJ Kirby. Follow Carlos here at Kirby underscore Carlos. Follow Five Rounds Pod on all the social medias out there. Uh, thank you all for watching and listening. And that is the end. Adios, amigos. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.